Welcome to the MVP Podcast. Today is October 27th, 2020. Let's get to it. So my Hoosiers upset the number eight team in the country this week, Penn State. This was a great game all around, but especially for the Hoosiers. So I'll kind of break down the game and then kind of just talk about my excitement a little bit. So Penn State scored on their opening drive and then forced IU to punt on their first two drives to go up 7-0 early. But in the second quarter, IU responded with 17 unanswered points to take a 17-7 lead into the half. In the third quarter, Penn State came out and scored to make it 17-14. But then in the fourth, the Hoosiers got a field goal before giving up a touchdown to Penn State to give them a 21-20 lead. Penn State then drove down, and IU let them walk into the end zone with a little under two minutes left to give them a 28-20 lead and give us enough time to have one final drive to come down and tie tie the game. This isn't the only time this happened this weekend, but we'll talk about that later. Penn State, so then Penn State had one final shot with like, I think under 30 seconds left or maybe under 20 seconds left to try to get in position to get a game-winning field goal. And then IU decided to do this dumb onside kick attempt. So Penn State had really good field position near midfield. So they, were, I think they ran like one play and got into field goal range, and the guy missed it. So then the game's going into overtime. And in overtime, Penn State got the ball first. So in college, both teams get it from the 25. It's not sudden death like in the NFL. So Penn State got it, and they... They scored a touchdown, got the field goal to take the seven-point lead. So then it was IU's turn from the, their 25, and they scored as well on a on a back back corner, back shoulder throw to Wop failure. So Wop caught the touchdown, and then IU decided to go for two. And this is where it got wild. So the Michael Penix kind of like rolled out, and then he started running and sneaking out the side. And then he got down to like the two or the three and dove and fully extended for the end zone and like reached it out. And the ball hit the pylon as he went out of bounds. And on the field, they called it a touchdown, like two point conversions, good. And then they took him like five minutes to go back and review it and look at it. And it was really close. And but there just wasn't enough evidence for them to overturn the call. So. The two-point was good, and IU beat Penn State at home, and it was the biggest win they've had in a long time. So awesome win. Hoosiers looked pretty good, especially against the number eight team in the country. I really like the way Michael Penix can get out of the pocket and add a dual-threat element that IU just hasn't really had somebody that good do that in a long time. And Stevie Scott looked pretty good. He's just powerful around the goal line. I, I didn't really see a lot of him doing a lot of big runs but he's just a big powerful guy and Penn State's defense is tough so he was key around the goal line but we really needed Penix to help us get the ball down the field so this is the first win for IU versus a top 10 opponent since 1987 and this win vaults them up to number 17 in the country which is the first time they've been ranked since well they might have been 25 a couple years ago but if they weren't, then they haven't been ranked in a long, long time. I can't even remember the last time they were ranked. So I think IU just kind of showed this year that they're not going to be a team to mess with. They can beat anybody. I mean, I think it's going to be tough to beat teams like Ohio State and Michigan, but I mean, beating Penn State makes it seem like we can beat Michigan. I think Ohio State's a lot better than all these teams, but just put the Big Ten on notice. So go Hoosiers. I'm excited. Big, big win. So number 17 in the country. Look out for the Hoosiers this year. We're going to do some things in the Big Ten. Hopefully we go to a good bowl game and we can play some team that's legit. So exciting win, big time. Go Hoosiers. we got a great show for you guys today. So we're going to start with NFL Week 7 Review, where I'm going to give you guys my winners and losers. And then we're going to wrap up the Week 7 Review, going over my best bets that I gave out last week and my picks that I've been doing. And then we're going to finish up with TV time, where we're going to talk about Borat's subsequent movie film, where I'm going to do a non-spoiler review, followed by spoiler review, where we're going to talk about all the funny scenes and kind of go dive into the plot a little bit more. So hope you guys enjoyed the show today. I'm really excited to talk about Borat. I thought it was pretty funny, and we had a great week of football, so it should be a good good week seven review. Let's get to it.
We're going to kick off the week seven review with my first loser of the week, the Denver Broncos. So they lost to Kansas City in this one, 43 to 16. This was my first lock of the week. And my money line pick of Kansas City was a winner, as well as my spread pick of Kansas City minus nine and a half. Kansas City improves to six and one, while Denver falls to two and four. Kansas City really just ran away with this one. Clyde Edwards Hilaire got him started early with a touchdown. And then they had a pick six to make it 17 to six. And then right before the half, they returned a kick return touchdown to make it 24 to nine at the half. And then to start the second, half the Chiefs went field goal field goal touchdown before the Broncos got into the end zone to make it 37 to 16 and then the Chiefs pulled all their guys including Mahomes and put in Chad Henney and Chad Henney led them for their final scoring drive where he rushed it in to make the final score 43 to 16. It's not really much more to say in this one other than Kansas City was just better than the Chiefs or better than the Broncos um, the Broncos are my loser just because they're just starting to free fall into the bottom of the league. So we'll see if the Broncos can turn it around. But to me, it's looking like they're headed for one of the top picks in the draft at this rate. But also, they just ran into the Chiefs, who are just tough. And it's hard to beat the Chiefs when they score offensive touchdown, defensive touchdown, and a special teams touchdown. So... It's not really much more the Broncos could have done. The Chiefs just really put it to them and put up 43 points, which is a lot. So for fantasy, we'll start with the Chiefs. My stardom is their defense and special teams. They only gave up 16 points. They had three sacks, two fumble recoveries, two interceptions, and two touchdowns, the kick return and the interception. And my sit-em is Travis Kelsey. He had three catches for 31 yards. My stardom for Denver is going to be Drew Locke. He had 254 yards, two interceptions, and three rushes for eight yards and a touchdown. And my sit this week is going to be Jerry Judy. He only had two catches for 20 yards. My next loser of the week is the New England Patriots. They lost to the Niners in this one, 33-6. So my money line pick of San Francisco is a winner, as well as my spread pick of San Francisco plus two and a half. The Niners improved to four and three while the Pats dropped to two and four. So this was one of the worst home losses for Bill Belichick and the Pats ever. The Niners really just jumped on them early. They led 23 to three at the half. And then the second half kind of continued that same trend. The Pats eventually had to bench Cam because they just couldn't get anything going and they put in Jared Stidham. But the Niners got a touchdown and a field goal in the second half to get the eventual 33 to six victory. Niners look good, really good, and that division is going to be super tough. They now move within a game and a game and a half of the Cardinals and the Seahawks. So, and then the Rams are right there with them. So, that division is going to be tough, but the Niners have officially asserted themselves back into that division race. So, that that's going to be an interesting division to watch out for, and I'm really excited to see the football that goes on within that division. So, the Pats are my losers because they really just sucked. This is one of the worst losses they've ever had, especially under Bill Belichick. And Cam just couldn't get anything going. They couldn't get the ball to anybody. They only put up six points. So not a good look for the Pats, and that's why they're my loser this week. So we'll move on to some fantasy. My stardom this week for San Francisco is going to be Jeff Wilson. He had 17 carries for 112 yards, three touchdowns, as well as two catches for eight yards. My sit is Jimmy G. He had 277 yards, two interceptions, and one rush for four yards. My stardom for the Pats is Jacoby Myers. He had four catches for 60 yards and one rush for two yards. And my sit is Cam Newton. He got negative points for fantasy this week. He had 98 yards, three interceptions, and five rushes for 19 yards. My next loser of the week is the New York Jets. Jets lost to the Bills in this one, 18-10. This was my second lock of the week. So the money line pick of Buffalo was a winner, but the spread pick of Buffalo minus 13.5 was a loser. Buffalo improves to 5-2 while the Jets fall to 0-7. Jets looked really good early in this one. They went up 10-0, but then two field goals by the Bills cut the lead to 10-6 at the half. Bills came out strong defensively in the second half and they, they got four field goals and forced four punts to start the half to take an 18-10 to lead. 
and then they picked off Darnold late, and it just kind of sealed the game. So the Bills' offense was not clicking in this one at all. They didn't get in the end zone once. It was just a bunch of field goals. Um, but the defense stepped up and got it done for them, so that was big, forced a bunch of punts in the second half, and the offense did enough to get down the field and get into field goal range to take the lead and get enough field goals to out outmatch the Jets. So the Jets are a loser for me because they had the lead in this one until deep into this game, and then they blew the lead and just couldn't find a way to get the lead back and hold on. So I'm just saying they're losers because the Bills just weren't good. They gave them every chance to win, and they just couldn't take it. So they're a loser. On the positive side for the Jets, they're still on track for the number one pick, being the only winless team left in the NFL still. So that's a plus for them. but. They're on my losers this week because they just couldn't get it done against the Bills offense that just wasn't good. For fantasy, for the Bills, my stardom this week is Cole Beasley. He had 11 catches for 112 yards. And my sit this week is Devin Singletary. He had eight carries for 29 yards and two catches for 18 yards. My stardom this week for the Jets is LaMichael Pirine. He had 11 carries for 39 yards and a touchdown as well as two catches for 16 yards. My sit this week for the Jets is Sam Darnold. He had 120 yards and two interceptions. My next loser of the week is the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys lost to Washington in this one, 25-3. So my money line pick of Dallas is a loser, as well as my spread pick of Dallas plus one. Both of these teams are 2-5 and five after this one. This was just a tough all-around game for the Cowboys, and it started off rough and only got worse. They got a safe, they got safetyed early, and then Dalton just couldn't get anything going, and Washington led 22-3 at the half. The big play from this game came in the middle of the third quarter when Andy Dalton decided to sneak it and went down for a slide and just got absolutely obliterated on the slide, and his helmet popped off. So he left the game with a concussion, and they brought in the third-string quarterback. And so from there, Dallas didn't do anything, and Washington got it got another field goal to win this one 25 to three. So the Cowboys are my big losers here because not only do they now lose Dalton and they have to find a new quarterback or go to the third string, but they lost their division lead. So now they're tied with Washington and Philly has the division lead. So it looks like it's Philly's division to lose at this point with Washington close on their tails, but it's just really not looking good for the Cowboys. And I don't really expect their luck to turn anytime soon. That defense can't stop anybody, and that offensive line isn't really producing to what they used to. I, I think that, I know they've got some injuries and some guys missing, but man, that defense sucks. So if they don't have a quarterback option, that's good. They're just really going to struggle. So I'd be betting against the Cowboys for the next couple weeks. My stardom this week for fantasy for Washington is Terry McLaurin. He had seven catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. My sit is J.D. McKissick. He had five carries for 35 yards and two catches for 16 yards. My stardom for Dallas is Amari Cooper. He had seven catches for 80 yards and one carry for five yards. And my sit this week is Ezekiel Elliott. He had 12 carries for 45 yards and one catch for six yards. Next up on my losers of the week is the New York Giants. They lost to the Eagles on Thursday night football, 22-21. to So my money line pick of Philly is a winner, but my spread pick of Philly minus 4.5 is a loser. Philly improves to 2-4-1, and four and one, while the Giants fall to 1-6. The Eagles got out to an early lead in this one, going up 10-7 at the half. In the second half, the Giants put up two touchdowns before the Eagles responded to make it 21-16 Giants after they failed their two-point conversion attempt. Eagles forced the Giants to punt after Evan Ingram dropped like a dime pass from Danny Dimes that would have sealed the game. Like Danny Dimes just dropped it over his shoulder and it hit his fingertips and his hands and he just dropped it. And that catch would have sealed, the like given him a first down and would have given them um, position to where they could just run out the clock and win the game. So after that drop, they then had to punt. So then the Eagles came down and scored again, and then they failed the two-point conversion again. So now the lead was 22-21 Eagles. 
So now the Giants got the ball back, just needing any score to get the win. But Daniel Jones was stripped on one of their first couple plays, and the Eagles recovered it, which sealed the victory. So the Giants are my loser this week because they were just so close and just didn't have enough to finish off the Eagles. Mostly my loser of the week is Evan Ingram because he should have caught that ball and it should have been a first down and they should have been able to get this win over a division rival. So Eagles are, are Giants are a loser, especially Evan Ingram. Really bad. Should have been able to win this one over the Eagles. So my stardom this week for the Eagles is going to be Carson Wentz. He had 359 yards passing, two touchdowns, an interception, as well as seven rushes for 14 yards and a touchdown. My sit is going to be Deshaun Jackson. He had three catches for 34 yards and one carry for 12 yards, as well as he fractured his ankle, and it looks like he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. My start on this week for the Giants is going to be Daniel Jones. He had 187 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, as well as four rushes for 92 yards and a fumble. He had that really long run where he just ran out of feet. Like, he just tumbled over himself. It was really fucking funny, but feel bad for him. You should have had a rushing touchdown there, but just couldn't. He was running too fast for his body. My sit this week for the Giants is Devontae Freeman. He only had three carries for eight yards. My last loser of the week is the Atlanta Falcons. They lost to the Detroit Lions in this one, 23-22. So my money line pick of Atlanta is a loser, as well as my spread pick of Atlanta minus 2.5. Lions come out of this one 3-3, three three, while Atlanta falls to 1-6. This was a pretty back-and-forth first half where the Falcons went into halftime leading 14-10. to 10. Lions got a field goal to start the third, but then both teams went pretty cold into the final few drives where the Lions got a field, another field goal to take the lead at 16-14. to 14. But Then the Falcons responded with a touchdown to go up 22-16 to 16 after converting the two-point conversion, but this was a costly mistake. So on the touchdown run, Gurley was supposed to fall short of the goal line so that they could run out the clock before a little bit more before scoring so that the Lions either didn't have any time to score and win the game or had little time to come down and score and win the game. But Gurley on his fall down at the one crossed the plane and got into the end zone to take that 22-16 to lead. And... They found a way to choke once again. So the Lions came down and Stafford found TJ Hawkinson in the end zone as time expired to tie up the game. And then the extra point was good for the Lions win. So the Falcons are my losers this week because, like I said, they once again found a new way to choke. This one was crazy. Like, who would have thought that them scoring to take the lead would be the reason that they're going to choke the game away? So it wasn't the only time this happened this week. This also happened in the Penn State IU game. They scored too early, gave the other team enough time to come down. So clock management is a key theme in these two games this week in IU Penn State and Falcons and the Lions. So the Falcons just need to stop losing these tight ones and finding ways to choke. There's been so many games that they should have won, and they just didn't because they didn't make the right plays. So if they could just make the right plays and make smart IQ football, play higher IQ football, they could be in a good position. But at 1-6, they're just kind of done. So, I mean, getting 10 wins might not be able to get you into the playoffs, and they've got a tough schedule. Their division is rough. So I don't even expect – like they'd have to win out just to have a chance at the playoffs. And and they got to play Tampa Bay and New Orleans and Carolina. So – I don't see it happening for Atlanta this year, but a couple plays are the difference in their season. My stardom this week for Detroit is Matthew Stafford. He had 340 yards passing as well as one touchdown and one rush for eight yards. My sit-em this week is Adrian Peterson. He had 11 carries for 29 yards and one catch for one yard. My stardom this week for the Falcons is Todd Gurley. He had 23 carries for 63 yards, two touchdowns, and two catches for 19 yards. My sit-em this week is Young Hui Ku. He only had two extra points, which got him a really low fantasy number. Before we move on to the winners of the week, I've got one game that's kind of an in-between. It's got some winners and some losers, and that is going to be the Bengals versus the Browns. 
Browns got the win in this one, 37 to 34. So my money line pick of Cleveland's a winner, and my spread pick of Cleveland minus three is a push. Cleveland comes out of this one five and two, while the Bengals fall to one and five and one. So this was a pretty sloppy first half that both teams finished strong as the Bengals led 17 to 10 at halftime. Teams went back and forth in the second half, and the Browns took a 31-27 lead with about four minutes left, giving Burrow an opportunity to lead a game-winning drive. Burrow led him down the field and threw a short pass to Giovanni Bernard for a 34-31 lead, getting them the touchdown. With they had about a minute left, about a minute left on the clock. And the Browns weren't done. Baker took him right down the field and threw a touchdown pass to rookie Donovan Peoples-Jones for a 37-34 lead with under 10 seconds left and the win. Bengals got the ball back, but just didn't, couldn't really do anything with it to try to try to tie the game or take the lead. They only had 10, under 10 seconds. So this one has some winners and losers for both sides. So we'll start with my first loser is the Bengals. It's tough to lose when they had the lead late and they just needed one more stop to get the win under a minute left. All you need to do is just stop the Bang- the Browns offense and you get that win. So it sucks that their defense is not good enough to do that, but they are on the positive side of that. They're on pace to get Burrow some help. So they might be able to get one of the top defenders in this draft or get some O-line help to get, get Burrow into a position where they can be successful. My next loser is Odell Beckham Jr. He tore his ACL, so he's out for the year. It really sucks for anybody who has him in fantasy. I just traded for him, and he now is done, so that sucks. Um, so, yeah, Odell's my loser this week. Next up, I'll go with my winners. I got two. My first one is the Browns. It's kind of one. We'll go Browns and Baker Mayfield are my winners this week. They both they snatched victory from the Jaws of defeat, and Baker Mayfield outdueled Burrow to get that game-winning drive late and win this game. So that's why it, this game is winners and losers because I got the Baker, Baker and the Browns looked good and got this nice win over a division foe and got a nice game-winning drive late. But the Bengals had a tough loss, and the Browns also lost OBJ, so I kind of had a mix of winners and losers from this game. For fantasy, my starter stardom this week for the, for the Browns is Baker Mayfield. He had 297 yards and five touchdowns and an interception. And my sit is Odell. He had no yards, no catches, no nothing. And then he tore his ACL trying to tackle somebody on a returned pick six. My stardom this week for the Bengals is Joe Burrow. He had a monster day with 406 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, as well as six rushes for 34 yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. My sit this week is Auden Tate. He, had, he didn't do anything, and he only had one target. Yikes. My first winner of the week is the LA Chargers. Chargers got the win over the Jags 39 to 29. So my money line pick of the Chargers is a winner, as well as my spread pick of Chargers minus seven and a half. Chargers improved to two and four while Jacksonville falls to one and six. So Herbert and the Chargers jumped out to a fast start going up 16-0 before the Jags responded with a touchdown and two-point conversion to make it 16-8 to in the second quarter. Jags got one more touchdown to end the half, but failed to get the two-point conversion, so it was 16-14 going into the half. To start the third, the Jags blocked a Chargers punt and returned it for a touchdown to take a 21-16 lead. The teams traded touchdowns, but a Jags fumble and punt led to a Chargers TD and field goal that gave them a 10-point 39-29 lead that their defense then protected to finish the game and get them the win. So the Chargers are my first winner this week because Herbert is showing that he could be one of the best quarterbacks in this draft. Obviously, Tua hasn't played a lot, and Burrow has been looking pretty good. I still personally think Burrow is better, and he has worse weapons and less protection. But the Chargers are showing that they found a a solid guy that can be the quarterback of the future for them. So I'm excited for Herbert. I always thought he was going to be good, and he's got a bunch of receivers there, and they've got some good running backs. So if they can just protect him and improve that defense, their defense is still pretty good. They've got a lot of good players, but just, I guess, improve that offensive line, then they're going to be really good pretty soon. 
So my fantasy this week, my stardom is going to be Justin Herbert. He had 347 yards, three touchdowns, as well as nine rushes for 66 yards and a touchdown. My sit this week is Mike Williams. He had one catch for four yards. My stardom this week for Jacksonville is James Robinson. He had 22 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown, as well as four catches for 18 yards and a touchdown. My sit this week is DJ Chark. He had one catch for 26 yards. And he was targeted seven times, so getting one catch on seven targets is not good. My next winner this week is the Green Bay Packers. Packers got the win in this one over the Texans, 35-20. to So my money line pick of Green Bay is a winner, as well as my spread pick of Green Bay, minus 3.5. Packers improved to 5-1, and one, while Houston drops to 1-6. and six. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers pretty much did whatever they wanted to Houston's defense in this game. And in the first half, they jumped out to a 21-0 lead. To start the second half, Deshaun Watson led a touchdown drive, but the Packers responded with a 45-yard Devontae Adams touchdown for a 28-7 lead. A couple field goals by Houston and another touchdown by by Green Bay made it 35-13 late in the fourth. Watson led one more touchdown drive to make it 35-20 before getting an onside kick. And then on the first play of that next drive, down 35-20, to 20, David Johnson caught one out of the backfield and fumbled it, and Green Bay recovered it to seal the game. So the Packers are my winners this week because they had a nice bounce-back win after looking really, really bad versus Tampa Bay. Also, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were just on fire and looked like one of the best QB wide receiver duos in the league. So they were really fun to watch today. If you had either of them, they put up a lot of fantasy points for you. So the Packers are big winners this week. My fantasy for fantasy, my stardom is for the Packers is going to be Devontae Adams. He had 13 catches for 196 yards and two touchdowns. My sit this week is Marquez Valdez Scantling. He had no catches, no yards on four targets and one carry for nine yards. My stardom this week for Houston is going to be Deshaun Watson. He had 309 yards, two touchdowns, and seven rushes for 38 yards. My sit this week for the Texans is going to be Kenny Stills. He had two catches for 34 yards. My next winner of the week is the LA Rams. The Rams got the win on Monday Night Football 24-10 over the Bears. So my money line pick of the Rams is a winner, as well as my spread pick of Rams minus six. Both teams come out of this game at five and two. The Rams are winners this week because they really just controlled this game from start to finish and never really looked back. They're up 10 to 3 at the half and then scored two more touchdowns in the third to push their lead to 24 to 3 before giving up a fumble that was returned by the Bears for a touchdown to make it 24 to 10. But then the Rams D held strong and the Bears D stopped the Rams run game enough to force a couple punts and get a few possessions late, but those possessions resulted in nothing. So that's why the Rams are winners because their defense was just incredible tonight. Their pass rush caused problems for Foles a lot and especially late when they were trying to make a nice little comeback the Rams defense held strong so this was a great defensive win for the Rams and it's nice to see that their defense can step up and win a game for them when needed because a lot of the time the last few seasons under McVay they've been relying on their offense a lot and now they ran the ball and played some defense tonight so they showed this new element that they really haven't been able to establish um, as of late. So NFC West is just crazy now, so this is a big win for them. They now keep pace with Seattle and Arizona, and they lost to the 49ers last week, but they're still a game up on them, so they'll need to get them next get them next time but that division is going to be crazy and now they've established themselves as one of the top teams in the NFC still and I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Bears. This loss looked bad, but sitting at 5-2, and two, if they can keep winning, they're going to be fine. So for fantasy this week, my stardom for the Rams is going to be Jared Goff. He had 219 yards, two touchdowns, as well as four rushes for one yard. My sit this week is Robert Woods. He had three catches for 22 yards, as well as four carries for 23 yards. My stardom this week for the Bears is David Montgomery. He had 14 carries for 48 yards and five catches for 21 yards. And my sit this week is Nick Foles. He had 261 yards and two interceptions. My next winner of the week is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs got the win over the Raiders in this one, 45-20. to 20. 
So my money line pick of Tampa Bay is a winner, as well as my spread pick of Tampa Bay minus three. Tampa Bay improves to five and two, while the Raiders fall to three and three. So the teams traded scores in the first quarter, with the Raiders leading ten to seven going into the second. But Tampa Bay responded with two touchdowns to end the half and go up twenty-one to ten. Tampa Bay got a field goal to start the second half, but Las Vegas responded with a touchdown to make the Tampa Bay lead twenty-four to seventeen. The Raiders got another field goal to make it 24-20 before Tampa Bay got a touchdown, got an interception, then got another touchdown, then forced a turnover on downs, then got another touchdown to take a 45-20 lead and win 45-20. So the Bucks are my winners this week because they keep up their winning ways and do it against a pretty good Raiders team. They exploded in the fourth quarter to seal the win and are now in a good place sitting at 5-2 and two near the top of the NFC. So that big fourth quarter explosion where they went touchdown, got an interception, got another touchdown, then forced a turnover on downs, and then got another touchdown. That was the deciding force in the game, those three touchdown drives, and the defense came up big as well. So Bucks are looking good sitting out at the top of the NFC, so they should be up there with the Packers and the Seahawks and the Saints and the, now the Cardinals. So the NFC is going to be interesting. There's a lot of good teams that are going to be vying for a playoff spot and a lot of teams that are going to be vying for a wild card spot. So if you're a division winner, you got to, you, that's going to be the goal for everybody because those wild card spots are not going to come easy. For fantasy, my stardom this week for the Bucks is Tom Brady. He had 369 yards, four touchdowns, and one rush for one yard and a touchdown. My sit this week is Mike Evans. He had two catches for 37 yards. My stardom this week for the Raiders is Nelson Aguilar. He had five catches for 107 yards and a touchdown. And my sit is Josh Jacobs. He had 10 carries for 17 yards and three catches for 14 yards. Got to also remember that they didn't have any offensive line because they all had the Coco. My next winner of the week is the New Orleans Saints. They got the win over the Panthers 27-24. to So my money line pick of New Orleans is a winner. But my spread pick of New Orleans minus seven and a half is a loser. Saints improved to four and two while Carolina drops to three and four. This was a back and forth first half that saw the Saints up 21 to 17 at the half. Saints got a field goal on their first drive of the second half, but the Panthers responded with a touchdown to tie the game at 24. Saints got a field goal going into the fourth quarter to go up 27 24. And then the Panthers had a really long drive after getting the ball back in the middle of the fourth quarter that led to them missing a 64-yard field goal. They attempted the longest field goal ever, and they missed, which gave the Saints the ball back, and the Saints were able to run out the clock and win this game. So the Saints are winners here because they continue to keep pace near the top of the NFC South with Tampa Bay. They're now 4-2, and two, so they're right in that hunt and they position themselves to be in a playoff spot no matter whether they can win the division or not. They also get a leg up on Carolina and push Carolina into that territory where they're going to probably have to rely on getting a wild card spot if they want to get into the playoffs at all, which is going to be very tough, like I said earlier. So Carolina is starting to fall out of playoff contention. There's still a lot of season left, but at three and four, the NFC teams are looking so tough, especially like I've been saying this whole podcast with that NFC West. Uh, they could have four teams, so that's just the other three division winners. So we'll see what happens with Carolina, if they can get back to winning and hope for some of these other teams to get some losses. They might be able to get back into that playoff hunt. For fantasy, my stardom for the Saints is going to be Drew Brees. He had 287 yards, two touchdowns, as well as three rushes for two yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. My sit this week is going to be Traquan Smith. He only had four catches for 54 yards. My start this week for Carolina is DJ Moore. He had four catches for 93 yards and two touchdowns. My sit this week is Mike Davis. In his last week as the starter, he had seven carries for 12 yards and five catches for 24 yards. My next winner this week is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got the win over the Titans, 27-24. to So my money line pick of Pittsburgh is a winner, as well as my spread pick of Pittsburgh minus two. Pittsburgh improves to 6-0, while the Titans fall to 5-1. and 
Steelers jumped out to a fast start in this one, going up 24-7 to at the half. They got a field goal on their first drive of the second half to go up 27-20, to but the Titans weren't done. Tannehill threw a 73-yard touchdown to A.J. Brown, followed by a field goal and then a Derrick Henry touchdown in the fourth to cut the lead to 27-24. The Steelers drove down the field and were about to score a touchdown to seal and win the game, but Big Ben was picked off in the end zone to give the Titans one more chance to win the game or tie and go to overtime. Titans drove down and got in range for a 45-yard field goal for Goskowski, and he missed it to give the Steelers a three-point victory. Steelers are my winners in this one because they're now the only unbeaten team left in the NFL, and they've kind of asserted themselves as one of the top teams in the AFC. I'm going to say they, they're one of the top teams and not the top team like their record shows because I think that the Ravens and the Chiefs are really good as well. So there's a lot of good teams in the AFC, um, but the Steelers have kind of established themselves in that category with the Ravens and the Chiefs, in my opinion. So that's why they are winners for me this week. For fantasy, for Pittsburgh, my stardom this week is Deontay Johnson. He had nine catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns. My sit this week is Chase Claypool. He had one catch for two yards, and he only had one target, so that's not good. He was covered pretty tightly, though. My stardom this week for Tennessee is A.J. Brown. He had six catches for 153 yards and a touchdown. And my sit-em this week is Janu Smith. He had one catch for nine yards, and he had four targets. My last winner of the week is the Arizona Cardinals. They got the win over the Seahawks 37-34 to in overtime. So my money line and spread pick of Seattle and Seattle minus three are both losers. Arizona improves to 5-2, while Seattle falls to 5-1. This was a great high-scoring Sunday night football game, a lot of fun action, and great to see in overtime games. We got some free football. So this was a back-and-forth first half, but Seattle led 27-17 going into halftime. Tyler Lockett had two first-half touchdown catches. In the third quarter, Arizona got a rushing touchdown from Kyler Murray to cut the lead to 27-24. And then in the fourth quarter, Tyler Lockett caught his third touchdown of the game to put Seattle up 34-24. to Murray led one more TD drive to cut the lead to 34-31 before forcing a punt and getting a game-tying field goal as time expired for the Cardinals to send it into overtime. In overtime, Seattle got the ball first, but they were forced to punt, so the Cards had their chance to win. They drove down and set up for a field goal, but they almost had a delay a game on the field goal attempt and had to call a timeout, which then caused Zane Gonzalez to miss the field goal attempt. So Seattle got the ball back for their chance to now win the game, but Russ threw a pick, and then that led to Car- the Cardinals getting a 48-yard field goal to win in overtime. So the Cardinals are our winners this week because this is a huge win over the division leader and a division rival in the NFC West. So now they make this division very interesting with all four teams being above 500 now. And it should be a very interesting finish. I've been talking about the NFC West, the whole podcast. The division is wild. But also the Cardinals have just established themselves as a contender. So I see them as a playoff team, and I think they're going to make it this year. Murray's looking good, and the addition of DeAndre Hopkins has been huge. So if their defense can just step up and make some plays when needed, those guys should be able to take them to the playoffs. My For fantasy this week, my stardom for the Cardinals is going to be Kyler Murray. He had 360 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, as well as 14 rushes for 67 yards and a touchdown. My sit this week for the Cardinals is Kenyon Drake. He had 14 carries for 34 yards and one catch for seven yards. My stardom this week for Seattle is Tyler Lockett. He had 15 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns. And my sit-em this week is DK Metcalf. He only had two catches for 23 yards. We're going to wrap up the week seven review with my best bets and my pick'em records. So we'll start with my pick'em. So for week seven for money line, my picks were 11 and three, pushing my money line total record to 49, 22 and one. And this week versus the spread, I was seven, six and one, pushing my spread total record to 41, 30 and one. So I gave out four parlays last week. So I'll go over those real quick to wrap up. So my one o'clock parlay was a winner. 
it was Buffalo money line, New Orleans money line, Cleveland money line, and Green Bay money line. All those teams were winners, so that parlay was a winner. My next parlay I gave out was the four o'clock parlay. This one was a loser. So Kansas City, it was Kansas City money line, which was a winner. The Chargers money line, which was a winner, and then Seattle money line, which was a loser. My next one was the wild full slate parlay. This one was a loser also. Same reason with Seattle money line as a loser, but this one was Chargers money line, which was a winner. Tampa Bay money line, which was a winner. Kansas City money line, which was a winner. Buffalo money line, which was a winner. New Orleans money line, which was a winner. Seattle money line, which was the loser. And the Rams money line, which was a winner. The last parlay I gave out was the lock parlay of the weekend, which was also a loser. This one was Kansas City money line, which was a winner. Buffalo money line, which was a winner. And Seattle money line, which was a loser. As you could tell, the occurring theme there was I picked Seattle a lot and they blew it. They had multiple chances to win. So fuck Seattle. So that'll wrap week seven NFL review. Hope you guys used some of these picks that I gave out. I did pretty well money line this week, 11 and three. So hopefully you used a lot of those money line picks and you won some money. We'll be back next week for NFL week eight preview. Hopefully you guys can win some more money next week if you didn't win anything this week. So now we'll move on to TV time. In this episode of TV time, we're going to talk about the new movie, Borat, subsequent movie film. So I'm going to give my non-spoiler review, and then I'll give you guys a spoiler warning before I move into my spoiler review. So this movie came out Friday, October 23rd on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it now on Amazon Prime for free if you have Amazon Prime. So the plot of the movie is Borat is a prisoner back in his home country of Kazakhstan. He's become a worldwide joke and made Kazakhstan a joke to the rest of the world, so everybody in Kazakhstan hates him. He is sent to hard labor, and then they pull him out of the prison to send him on a mission to deliver the country's famous monkey, Johnny the Monkey, to Vice President Mike Pence to gain the U.S.'s respect and kind of get Kazakhstan's respect back from the rest of the world. So now his adventure continues in America where he's going to try to deliver Johnny the Monkey. It's really funny. There's... A lot of political stuff, but it's pretty funny no matter what your politics are. Unless you're like super duper right wing, then you might get kind of offended. But other than that, like it was pretty funny. Some classic Borat stuff, and it was pretty great to have him back. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's pretty funny. Um, I'm now going to move into the spoiler review. So the movie, uh, go ahead and stop the show now. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode for NFL Preview, and we'll probably drop the Dexter Rewatch podcast on Friday. And then if you like my podcast and you're interested in donating to the pod, go to mvp-podcast.com where you can donate, or you can check out the podcast there. That's my my website, so if you guys want to check it out, it's mvp-podcast.com. Okay, now we're going to move into the spoiler review, so really leave if you have not seen the movie yet. Okay, so picking up where we left off, so Borat is on a mission to go deliver Johnny the Monkey to Mike Pence, and so they vaccinate Borat to go on his trip, and they send him home to go see his sons, and then he eventually finds his daughter that was in like the shed. Like They treat her like she's an animal. So Borat gets run out of town and ends up, he like kind of gets run out of town. He's leaving and they just kind of chase him out. And it's pretty funny. He's carrying that big crate with Johnny the monkey in it. And so the two of them, Johnny the monkey and Borat get on a cargo boat that then travels all over the world. And it takes him 22 days to get to the U S it like bounces all over. He ends up in like Japan and he goes the opposite direction and comes back and then ends up finally in the U S So he ends up in the U.S., and before he picks up Johnny the Monkey, he goes and he sets up the trailer that he's going to keep Johnny the Monkey in, and he sets up a bed, 
and a toilet with like some toilet paper that he nicely folds over. It's like a little mini toilet paper. And then he, on the walls, he puts up some pictures of some monkeys that are like spreading their legs. And then a couple of pictures of monkeys that are like fucking. <laughs> I thought that was really funny, especially the monkeys spreading their legs. That, was, <laughs> that had me dying. So then he got some disguises because some guys started to recognize him and decides to go to a store to go buy a new phone. So at the store, he eventually gets the guy to show him how to go on the internet. And they're like using like the where you like screen mirror it onto the screen. And then he eventually finds some porn. So he takes the phone and he goes into the bathroom and he starts watching porn on the phone, but it's still projecting on the TV. So the guy's like, I think he's figured out how to use it. So that was pretty funny <laughs> watching this guy like be all awkward with this guy clearly going to jerk off in the store bathroom and he can, and he can see it. So it was pretty funny. So then he finally goes to pick up Johnny the monkey where he finds his daughter Tutar in in the crate and Johnny's dead and she tells him that Johnny ate himself and he believes her so he puts her back in the box and seals it up and has the guy just like take her back and the guy just like did it so it's funny so then he goes to a faxing store like a I don't know what you want to call it I'm just going to call it the fax store so he goes to the fax store and has this like text conversation through fax with the premier of Kazakhstan and then the premiere accidentally faxes over a dick pic. And it's pretty funny. They were having like a text. It was like, sup, sup. And then uh, it was great. And then he, Borat eventually tells him that Johnny is dead. And that's when Tutar shows up at the fax store. So they decide that they're going to give Tutar to Mike Pence as a gift instead of Johnny the monkey. So then they go to a store where they're going to buy a cage for Tutar because that's what the daughter's manual that she has says. And they have this whole conversation with this guy that's selling cages. And he's he's like, I need a cage for my daughter. And he's like, cage for your daughter. And they go out and they look at the cages. He's like, how many girls can fit in one cage? And the guy's like, what? what? I, I guess one. So then they buy a bunch of crap for Tutar and they go back in, into the woods where he parks his trailer and he sleeps in the bed that Johnny the monkey was going to sleep in and she sleeps in her little cage outside and she's watching a cartoon called Melania and it shows like Donald Trump as like Prince Charming and he like gets a hard on and then he goes up to Melania and grabs her by the vagine. <laughs> so it was pretty funny just the subtle like shots they're taking at at republicans and donald trump throughout this movie so then the next day they go and they get tutara makeover <clears throat> so then then there's a cute scene after the makeover where the two of them go to the fair and they're singing and holding hands and dancing and having a good time and then they finally end up in a bakery where they decide to get where they go to get a chocolate cake for the premiere and he orders a chocolate cake and tells her to put the Jews will not replace us with a bunch of smiley faces on it. And the lady does it and like sells him the cake. And then before they leave, Tutar convinces Borat to get her a cupcake that has a little like toy baby on top of it. So <clears throat> he's scared about feeding her this cupcake. So he goes out behind the dumpster to feed her the cupcake where he like shuffles it into her mouth and then she ends up swallowing the little toy baby that's on top so then they go to a women's clinic where they get into this whole conversation with this guy that's a hilarious exchange where they just like are trying to like they where they end up convincing the guy that she got knocked up by borat and that they wanted an abortion but they just wanted him to remove the toy baby out of her stomach but he just wouldn't do it so eventually they end up in some public bathroom where she just like shits the baby out and like everybody can hear her and she, they're like, push the baby out, push the baby out. So then the baby comes out, it hurt. She's like, it hurt my anus with the arms. And then, then they wash it off and she keeps it. And this plays a part later when they're reconciling at the end. Um, <laughs> 
Although from the abortion to the fucking public bathroom, baby is all just amazing. So then they go to this ball, which is one of my favorite scenes. So all the fathers and daughters are having a dance and Borat and Tutar decide to do a fertility dance after Tutar like finds that she has her period. So they're dancing around and they like show off her period. And then at the end, she's like laying on the floor with her legs spread open. Everybody can see her bloody like pad or whatever. It might have just been her underwear. And he's like pointing to it. And it was just fucking hilarious. And like just the absolute most ridiculous shit that they did this in front of at this like ladies ball so <laughs> it was funny but like kind of disgusting at the same time and the next this next scene is them and they go to finally deliver tutar to mike pence at the conservatives conference so he enters into the conservatives conference by wearing a kkk outfit he just has like the robe on and the hood and everything and he just walks right in goes into the bathroom and changes into his trump suit where he takes Tutar into the like main speaking area while he's talking and he yells out like Mr. Mr. Pen Penis Mr. Pence like I have I have a gift for you she's she's great and then they get escorted out by like secret service or security or something um so then he runs out of ideas and goes back to the fax place to tell the premier about his next failure and that's when the premier tells him that he will die and be torn apart by like some ox. They're going to like tie him up to some ox and have them run in different directions to tear him apart. <clears throat> so that's when Tutar thinks of the idea to give her as a gift to Rudy Giuliani instead. And the vice premier agrees. So then they, they go to a plastic surgeon to try to get her tits enlarged because they know that Giuliani likes women with large boobs. So, then they find out that they don't have enough money for the surgery yet. So, so Borat takes her to a babysitter while he goes to work at a barber shop to make enough money to pay for the surgery. So he has this great encounter with the babysitter where like he like clicks his little like thing for her to come in. He gives her a treat and then like shows her like the dog bowl that she drinks out of and he has a ball and a chain. It's absolutely ridiculous, and this lady just like doesn't get it. And he's just he just keeps going with treating her like a dog, and it's really hilarious. So then he goes to the barber shop where he starts clipping this guy's hair with these like gigantic shears. <laughs> and every time he clips off a piece of hair, he shows the guy like, "This okay?" And the guy's like, "Yep." He's like, "This okay? This okay?" <laughs> it was. <laughs> It's pretty funny, and the, they weren't in the barbershop for very long before he was done, and he had enough money to um, go back and pay for the surgery. So then it goes back to the babysitter, who starts reading the story, one of the stories out of the daughter's manual, and they start reading the one about a woman who started fingering herself, and when she went to finger herself, her vagina had teeth, and then it swallowed her up, and she was just gone. So the babysitter tells her that's not true. And then they go for a drive to go do something fun and get out and do something. And Tutar's freaking out the whole time they're in the car. Like, women can't drive. You can't drive. You can't drive. And it was pretty funny. And then eventually she drops Tutar off at the um, plastic surgery before Borat. And she ends up wandering into this, like, I think it was like a women's Republicans meeting. And... <laughs> She's listening to these women and she goes around and she's talking to all these women and she's feeling very empowered by all these women that own multiple cars and do multiple things, like have jobs and make money and all this stuff. So then she decides that the daughter's manual is all fake. So she decides to go into the bathroom and masturbate. So then she comes back, goes up on stage and starts talking to all the women about how she just masturbated and finished all over in the bathroom. And she encourages everybody to take off their panties and to start masturbating with her. So this pissed off a lot of the girls. They kick her out. And then she ends up finding Borat where they argue. And then she tells him that she has found a new book, the real book, Facebook, where, she's, where it says that the Holocaust never happened. So this makes Borat really sad. And then she tell, finally tells him that she ate the monkey before taking his Uber and leaving him. So Borat, all depressed, 
goes to a temple to wait for the to quote unquote wait for the next mass shooting and he meets some really nice jewish ladies and has a really funny conversation like about their noses and about everything and then they feed him and then they finally end up cheering him up by telling him that the holocaust actually happened and that it wasn't fake and he goes skipping out of the the temple all happy that the holocaust was real so then he goes looking for tutar and finds a guy who tells him that everybody's quarantining quarantining because of coronavirus and then Bora asks if he can stay with him and the guy says yes so they go to his cabin so at the cabin Borat learns a lot of truths <laughs> and while staying with these guys and he accidentally throws a bunch of stuff in the washing machine including their flashlight so he orders them some new flashlights <laughs> so they get a bunch of flashlights and then they end up creating a song about Obama and the Democrats that he ends up singing later. So I'll talk about the song later. So then he pulls out the daughter's manual and he starts showing them all the like birthing pics. And there's one where there's one doctor that's waiting for the baby to drop out on the bottom while the woman is bent over and one guy has his dick in his in her mouth and one guy has his dick in her butt. And they're like, this isn't how it works. This is, and he's like, yes, one in the mouth, one in the anus. And it was really great. So that was pretty funny. And I'm like telling him that he's crazy. They're like, we're looking at this book and saying, what, what? And he's like, wait, you look at this book and you say, what? And he's like, I, I, this is crazy. Pretty funny. So then he's finally looking for, he keeps looking for Tutar and he finally finds her while they're look, looking for some QAnon stuff online. And she's become a reporter and he convinces them to finally to go to her upcoming rally where she's going to be reporting. So they go to the next rally and he ends up like wandering onto stage where he, in a disguise, where he ends up singing the song that they just wrote about how Obama, how they're going to inject Obama with the Wuhan flu and they're going to chop up the media like the Saudis do and then they're going to gas Hillary Clinton like the Germans do and all this stuff and it was really funny and they finally find Tutar and convince her to go give herself as a gift to Rudy Giuliani during an interview. So that's when Borat goes back to the babysitter and realizes that to get like the ball and the, all the stuff that he left. And they have this conversation. And that's when he realizes that he likes his daughter after she, the babysitter gave him back the like baby that she pooped out. And she had turned it into him. And so then he, he decides that he doesn't want to give his daughter as a gift anymore. And he needs to go stop her from, from Rudy Giuliani. So now is when it gets to the controversial scene where... Rudy Giuliani's laying back on the bed and he's like tucking his shirt back in after she pulled the mic out of his pants and Borat barges in and he yells, she's too old for you. She's 15. And then he offer he offers up his anus saying, my back pussy is very tight. And then Rudy Giuliani's like, what the fuck is going on here? So he leaves and he's like, Rudy, Don McDonald Trump would be very mad that you haven't had golden shower. And then, so that's when they escape away from everybody and they go back to Kazakhstan where the real plot twist happens. So while they're talking to the premier, Tutar and Borat find out that the goal was not to deliver the monkey to, to Mike Pence, but to actually spread the cocoa around the world. So there, yeah, the, there's a great scene where he's spreading the coronavirus. Like there's a scene with Tom Hanks in Australia, and then he's like eating bats in China, and uh, it was really funny. <laughs> and then they use the information that they've just found out to blackmail the premier into making the country a feminist nation, where they now traffic grooms instead of brides, and they now have internet where they can influence elections. They then change the running of the Jew in the country to the running of the American, where Borat and Tutar report on the first annual running of the American, where the Karen kills Fauci, and he, they, he says like something like, the Americans have finally won their battle over science, and then the movie comes to a happy ending with Tutar and Borat on air on Kazakhstani news. So I thought this was a pretty funny movie. Like, I don't think, I don't know if it 
is as good as the original, but it definitely was still pretty funny, especially with the political stuff. I just enjoyed all the like mocking of the right wing. I thought that was pretty hilarious. But I think my favorite scene was the cabin. There's just so much stuff that they did in the cabin that was hilarious from ordering the fleshlights to singing the songs to like he was hitting the coronavirus with Lysol spray and pans on the wall. And it was pretty funny. Uh, I also liked the ball scene, but that was pretty gross. So I don't know if that was my favorite scene, but it was pretty hilarious. We, I was laughing pretty hard. I do feel bad for the babysitter. Like, I don't know how she just didn't get it, though. Like, it was clearly a joke the whole time, and she just kept taking it seriously and just didn't get it. So I kind of felt bad for her because a lot of craziness happened to her, but she was just a dumbass. So I thought it was a great movie. I hope all of you guys enjoyed it, too. So we will be back with another show on Thursday. And like I said earlier, we will be dropping, I will be dropping the Dexter Rewatch pod hopefully on Friday. And once again, if you guys like the show, please go to mvp-podcast.com to donate. And if you just want to go there to check out my website too, that'd be tight. You can see all my episodes are on there as well on the listen little button. So if you click on the listen tab, you can listen to all my episodes on there as well. It might be easier to do that on your computer if that's the way you want to go. Um, but yeah, we'll be back on Thursday with some NFL preview, another episode of TV time, and another MVP talk. So enjoy today, guys. Peace. Thank you.